We should tell people when the show's starting, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have told you. So, hey, everyone, it's I'm Catching Foxes. The show has begun. So we're here with Katie McGrady and we being <laughs> me. Gomer might be on soon. He's got life with his new job. and Well, his, he's... I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, Gilmore quit his job. He's going to be yeah. himself with that man is you. So he's in this like transition stage. So Gilmore's transitioning. And he may or may, uh, may not be here. We were having, so I was talking with Kate. We were having a very interesting conversation. I was like, we need to record this. We just won't yes. name names. So we're going to kind of dive into it. <laughs> you and I are two people who I feel like before 2020, Mm-hmm. We're very much kind of like lock and step with a lot of other people about mm-hmm. like, hey, Trump's not great. Like <laughs> this weird neocon thing is kind of weird. Yeah. And then COVID 2020. And I feel like that group got a real small. Mm-hmm. And I think this aligns with my point I had before we recorded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Off air comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like it's I feel like that there is a divide now. Mm-hmm. That is very real. That I th- I don't know how I I'm not like grad school really pulled me out of the loop for like I feel like there's a period of time where I feel like we had like a good content creator community as good as you could for one mm-hmm. that we weren't seeing each other in person a lot mm-hmm. on Twitter text yeah. messages or whatever it was great you know we'd see people when they're in town 2020 happens takes kind of all all of that all of that away mm-hmm. and then also you start seeing like. Some people say some kind of weird stuff. This person says something weird. This person starts to respond back to a thing that like, um, you, you know, and it just it gets weird. And now I feel like that doesn't really exist anymore. And there's the mm-hmm. anger about everything that was people were tapping into even before 2020 happened is like, you're either on team anger or we don't care about you. Yeah. I, I'd be curious, like just, I mean, I, I just threw a lot out there. Like I'm curious <laughs> to get your thoughts on that in pure, I'm catching Fox's style. In pure, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we should tell people when it starts. Yeah, I mean, things... My career now, in 2023, is not what it was in 2020. And in 2020, it was different even than what it had been three years before that. So I I feel like the past, really, six or seven years of my life have been a great re-clarification. What I noticed happening during 2020, and I was pregnant, so I took COVID very seriously. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I was carrying a child and we had no idea like remember when we wiped down our groceries i was like militant about the grocery yeah, no wiping. same yeah because i was i was pregnant with my second child a second yeah. child that we had waited to get pregnant with because of health stuff and mm-hmm. like conceived and we're rejoicing and now all of a sudden like this pandemic is killing people like what and i i remember opening up facebook of course on like one of the days where you're just stuck at home and we were sitting in the playroom and there was a post likening lockdowns to um, Jewish ghettos in the time of of the Nazis. And I remember seeing it from a person that I have worked with a lot and I've respected and I've spent time with and like trusted and and loved and thinking, that's not great. Like that's... (laughs) That feels a little off. Yeah. That's... mm, And like not knowing what my responsibility was in that moment. Like, do I reach out to them? And say, hey, this could like be majorly misconstrued. Do I comment publicly? Because like you posted it publicly. So therefore mm-hmm. you're like inviting conversation. Do I just ignore it? But like it doesn't feel right to ignore it because that's that's just not a that's not good, man. Like that's like borderline anti-Semitic. 
not not to mention like just patently not true like you still have all your freedoms we're just like asking you to and this was like like in the first couple weeks so we were still in the 14 days to slow the spread yeah phase like we were not this was this was not 2022 where like they're still asking you to wear a mask even though we're very well past that point you know like this Mm -hmm. was in the early days when we didn't really know yep so i didn't say anything and it was taken down a few hours later because i think people that knew them a little bit better had said something to them uh, along the lines of like you're that's not like this is not good this is problematic and this could like harm your career but that was really the first moment where i thought people's brains are about to break and we're going to watch the brain breaking happen and where you are on the other side of the brain breaking is going to determine who you want to work with in the future who you're going to avoid in the future who you trust who you're going to listen to i i had like a massive clarification moment and all of that where like twitter is no longer a healthy place for conversation i don't ever know that it was but i used to be a little more combative on there and 2020 just kind of took that air out of that for me i I stopped completely yeah, like this yeah. is nope. This is gonna be a place where I share happy things about my family, except for an sports. occasional, except for sports, right? Yeah, uh, an occasional, occasional complaint about like things that might be happening on a personal side, but I'm not gonna go after anybody mm-hmm. because it truly, it truly became this like, oh, there's, there's two mindsets here, and you can't win when you're in the polars. I, I think virtue is grown in the mean, and if COVID did anything, if the past three years did anything, it it got rid of that. It got rid of the mean and it mm-hmm. drove people further and further to ideological sides. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it's been a weird few years, man. <laughs> well, well, no, because it's, you know, like I think one thing that, um, and I, it's, I feel weird having that. I, actually, I don't feel I'm all weird at all, but I should say with Gomer not being here at this point in time, like Gomer's definitely probably owned a little bit more of his conservative leanings over the past yeah. couple of, of years. And hey. When I was young, I was a young Republican. Like I will quote the West yeah. Wing all day long, right? But but still, but still, wasn't going to liken lockdowns to the Nazis, you know? Yeah. Well, and and his kind of like take of like going harder um right has just been how crazy things on the left have gotten. Yes, which I think Absolutely. is a is a valid concern and a valid right. you know. And I I just the thing that I appreciate about him is like we haven't ever let that one define our um, define our friendship or our show, which has been nice for our wallets. Right. <laughs> so because like, well, but I mean, but we probably I don't I don't know if we could make more money if we got more angry. I really don't know. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the thing. The people only make money on either side of the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. So like the far far left can make money because they're going to rile you up by saying. If you're not all in on the gender ideology, you're killing kids. And the other side can rile you up by saying, if you're not all in on the absolute like refusal of any sort of conversations about this, then you are mutilating children. And like, there's actually a balanced conversation to have in between those two extremes. But there's no money to be made in the balanced conversation. Yeah. You know, and and there's there's no peace to be found in the balanced conversation because nobody wants to actually listen to anybody. How much of this do you think is the product of a post Christian culture, and how much of it is just because COVID happened? This just kind of like is is has this always been there, and this mm. kind of was the steroid shot? I feel like this happened with a lot of like organizations or people's lives, or whatever. COVID like yeah. like really amplified some good and some really bad things. Our divisions, I think for sure. I think yeah. I think post Christian. I also think current internet, like never mm. before have we all been so aware of everyone else's opinions and never before have we all felt the need to share our opinions about everything in mm-hmm. such a public way, right? Like the conversation 
used to be, oh, don't talk about politics and religion at the dinner table, because that was going to spark some discomfort when you're sitting there with your aunt and your uncle and your extended mm -hmm. family and your mom and your dad. But like nobody applied those rules to the Internet, even though the Internet was essentially social media was essentially just supposed to be like one big party where we were all hanging out. But nobody told us the rules and everybody thought, well, this is where I can just lob all my brain bombs. Yeah. And the thing about everybody lobbing brain bombs at the same time is that there's just going to be decimation everywhere. And then there might be a few good hearted people in the middle saying, wait a second, like I actually wanted to hear what you had to say. I don't think I'm ever going to agree, but I wanted to hear it. And, and so mm -hmm. I do. I think post-Christian, but I also think current Internet and because we all just got driven at home. We weren't trusted with information. There was absolutely like just not a great way of communicating to everybody that we're on the same team to try to survive this. And so everybody just got more and more entrenched. And now three years later, we're saying, oh, we're getting used to our new normal. No, there is no new and there is no normal. It is just now mm -hmm. where everyone's got their dukes up all the time. Yeah. And I don't like living like that. I really don't. It's it's exhausting. And I, I think I'd yeah. already kind of like tapped out of that by you know, like Catching Foxes, we had been around before 2018. Yeah. I get a little irked when people say that like, oh, that's, the that's what made us big. But I'm like, <laughs> we were big before that. You but absolutely that, were. That is when like there is like we are we fit a certain voice during that time time mm -hmm. period. And I distinctly remember, I think telling Aaron or telling Gomer or who knows in, in the fall, kind of after like I cannot live in this. So we can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, we can't be I'm, angry I'm all just, the time. I'm just, I'm so, it's just dark. It's just a dark place. And yeah, and I think there's, um, Alexander McIntyre, I believe, uh, has this thing in this book where it's like, it might be Balthasar or McIntyre, who knows, it's all the same. Some smart guy. Like basically, <laughs> because yeah, because we're coming at it from this angle of like, because our first own premises aren't right, we're just, I'm shouting over each other all the time and basically mm -hmm. be becomes an argument. And I feel like that has now, it, it's definitely been there between like the people who are on the right or people who are on the left. Now it's people on the left, on the left, on the right, and the right. And like all these little, like, uh, like all of your sub, you're like, I'm um, subgroups. Like, mm -hmm. so I'm a big fan of the US men's um, national teams. Everyone is, you know, aware of I have a jersey and a scarf right there. Right there. <laughs> it's amazing how much US men's national team Twitter is just like US Catholic Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> and how you're like a non-account who yep. say they have things, and people start to follow them. Then all of a sudden, they're actually starting to implement like real change, or re there are real consequences mm -hmm. based upon people's actions mm -hmm. that you see people doing and what people are trying to push and all the stuff. And it's kind of like this isn't how this is supposed to go. And it it's it's just it's all kind of it's all kind of the same. And I, I I don't know. Like I remember when Facebook went. Remember when it went down a couple of months ago, maybe like half a year ago. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, maybe it's all done. It's all like, over. maybe it's all done. Like, yeah. oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, we would like, wish, right? Yeah. And I remember being like, I wish it was done. I wish this was done. And I, I, I struggle with wanting to get off of Twitter, but I, just because of like sports and being able to connect with other people, mm -hmm. that stuff is still great. But it's, it's everything else is like 80% of, of, of the time. And I, I feel like we, how many of us would really have these. I mean, these tensions are real. I've experienced with mm -hmm. Gomer when we talk about politics. I've experienced it with different people in my family or in different mm -hmm. friends, whoever. And so it's like hard enough in real life, but then to constantly be feeding that into your brain when you're online feels like a bit much. When you're scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a big advocate of going in specific. This is like a weird way to use Twitter, but like if I am interested in something. So I watched 
the latest Succession episode and I want to see what Twitter's saying about it. Mm -hmm. I won't scroll. I'll just go to the search and like look up that word Succession. And that's my Twitter time. I'm just going to go read this one thing. Hmm. And then I kind of like it scratches the itch of, oh, I was online. I was part of the discourse, but I didn't go see all that other garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not a fan of compartmentalizing one's life because I think we are called to be integrated individuals. But sometimes you have to compartmentalize the social media. One, because we're all addicted to it. Let's be real. So it's like almost like taking a controlled substance so that you feed the addiction without mm-hmm. having to like go completely cold turkey. It's like I can get my head up. OK, I'm going to spend 10 minutes on Instagram. I'm going to set a timer and then I'm going to get off of it. Otherwise, it's going to drive me crazy. and I'm going to convince myself that I'm a bad mom and I'm a bad wife and I'm, I'm just not the right kind of Catholic woman. Same thing with Twitter. Like if I scroll and I see all these people like piling on or complaining about this one thing or saying that the Pope isn't Catholic. It's just going to make it's going to hurt my faith. So I'm just going to choose to use Twitter for soccer or for Warriors basketball or for succession or for Ted Lasso or like occasionally. Here's a cute picture of my children, everybody. Affirm, affirm, affirm. Give me that dopamine hit. But like I'm not going to reply to any of you. And I find, especially now working in daily radio, like part of my job is I do have to post some things on Twitter to to feed my audience because like I tell them, go look at this thing on Twitter. And like nine times out of ten. When I make an opinion-based statement on social media, just like a, a statement, this is just a thought out of my head, it, it seems, I think people think I'm inviting dialogue because mm-hmm. that's what we've now conditioned ourselves to believe. I have to respond to everything as opposed to like, no, I was just making a statement that Twitter sucks these days. And like literally a woman just yesterday, she was like, you need to prove your point. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I saw that. I was just saying, yeah. I think it sucks these days. But now you're like asking me for evidence because that's what we've done. I think if anything over the past three years, us being on these phones so much made us believe very self-centeredly that everybody cares about every thought that every every ever passes my brain. Yeah. Um, and like that's not how we're meant to live. We're just not. Uh, it, we've now turned our thumbs into these opportunities to pronounce opinions that we like. You can have it, but nobody wants to know. Or, you know, like, it's okay if yours is different than mine. We don't have to, like, argue about that. We can just coexist with those differences, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here to talk to you about NET at netusa.org slash apply. So you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do NET. I think I really would. I would have loved it. I almost went to Net Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called it. Maybe Net Island. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago. Anyways, I have worked with Net in the past for other projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit Net from top to bottom. Just awesome, amazing people. And they are calling you today to apply to be a Net missionary. If you or, or someone you know could serve to be a Net the missionary, please tell them about this link, netusa.org slash apply. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, net missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. 
As a net missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, go to netusa.org slash apply. That's netusa.org slash apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about NET's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply, N-E-T-U-S-A, U-S-A, U-S-A, N-E-T-U-S-A dot org slash apply. Go check out netusa.org slash apply and, and become a NET missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so. I have a thought, and then I actually have a question for you. Okay. Otherwise, yes. I may have just cut you off, so sorry. No, you that. didn't. You didn't. Okay. I was rambling. Oh, good. That's okay. what happens these days. That's, we, we're both <laughs> podcasters, so we get it. It's like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I just want no, to say something. Some, yeah, somebody I, has yeah, to at some point. Someone yeah. would hurt my feelings if that happened to <laughs> no, me. So, just yeah. shut me up. Just hold no, your hand so, up and go, stop, like, stop, stop. <laughs> Father Harrison shared something on Twitter a yeah. long time ago from Clerically Speaking about how it's this guy predicting the internet. And he's basically saying, what's going to happen is, what is your small town? He goes, it's going to be horrible because when you go to the post office in, in your in your small town, you see two people, you talk about, hey, did you see how the high school team did last night in the mm-hmm. game? What's going on at Tom's store? That's weird. He goes, it's going to turn the entire world into your small town and our brains can't handle mm-hmm. it. No, they really can't. And like, you, like that has radically for me, like, like oh, I c- actually, we can't handle this because mm-hmm. it's not meant to be like this. I'm not meant it's, to know that much. Yeah. Yeah. By knowing that much, I then believe that I have to hold space for that much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was and there I, a question at that? Yeah. Well, so I, I would be curious to know, like, and this is kind of pivoting a little bit away from yeah, no, the please. social media stuff, but like not, not in um, potentially, but as a thought I had. So now that like we, we, you, before you talked about how we don't exist really in the means anymore, we are on, you know, these sort of opposing edges you do tons of talks you travel across the country you have multiple podcasts and radio shows you are interacting with tons of different catholics all the time like a, and the vast majority of people who are catholic speakers are wonderful i have loved everyone i've, I've gotten the chance to get to know over the past eight years has gotten a little weird <laughs> so how do you navigate that like how yeah. do you navigate like hey you know like i'll, I'll, I'll just be blunt like I like I love Matt Frad a lot. Matt mm-hmm. Frad's definitely taken some hard up stances, and I'm like, I don't know if I would do that. But I, like, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, I'm not going to even talk to him about it unless he wants mm-hmm. to. I will. But like, I actually care more about Matt as like my friend mm-hmm. because Matt's my friend. And other people have been like, can you believe how like hard, like like hard right Matt's got? I'm like, yeah, I know, but he's my buddy, and I love hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and. and and like, so, like he had a mm-hmm. he interviewed Dennis Prager, a couple yeah. of. And I thought I he did. A, I thought he did a wonderful job. How, and I actually, um, I said like, um, Matt, you, I uh, sent him a text message saying like, you did such a wonderful job. Yeah, no, he like, held his own. Yeah, he, he put him in his place on some things that Prager was wrong about. Yeah, and as like um, a podcaster, that's super hard to like. You're like trying hard. to push a point. You're trying to yeah. allow your guest space. Like, and so right. I'm trying like, to be deferential. Like, kind. Damn, that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, and, he he handled. I was very impressed, considering I have not been his biggest fan uh, of late. I was well, very impressed with that one. So yeah, and there are some things that he said that I've been like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so anyways, like, how do you, how do you yeah. navigate that? Like people that like you've hung out with, you've, you know, you've uh, yeah. met their spouses or you've got to know, you that know, you, you know, like, like you ideologically, know we, yeah. yeah, we disagree on this thing though. I think, so I, I think sometimes let's, I'm going to call a spade a spade and I'm going to say it as somebody knowing that some people will be pissed off that I say this. Can I say pissed off? Are you yeah, still yeah, an course. E-rated yeah, You can show? still say you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I am, I am glad that there's an E, though. I, that's, uh, that's old Gatchik Foxes coming out there. It's, I, no, I'm a fan. I'm a, I think I asked that the first time I ever came on the show, I asked you guys, like, am I allowed to? I think I remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah so I, 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 I think we have to come to grips with the fact that sometimes people are playing a character. And I'm not saying that to, like, criticize anybody, because I, I don't want anybody to think that of me. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I do pride myself on the fact that, like, you can listen to all of my, you could go listen to... Here's the commercial. You could go listen to the Katie McGrady show from 1 to 3 p.m. Central on Sirius XM 129 and then go listen to Iva Explorers, listen to Like a Mother and go listen to Family Mass Prep. And my voice is going to sound the same. My commentary is generally going to sound the same. I'm actually probably talking about like similar things because I'm just I am who I am and I I don't have time to play a character that's different. I just there's just not enough mental capacity in my brain or energy in my life to be somebody different. But I think I have the luxury of not having to play a character because I'm. I'm employed by places that wanted me. They didn't want a caricature mm. and they, they mm-hmm. didn't want a hot take machine. They just wanted Katie McGrady, the person who can ask good questions and, and share thoughts, right? I think a, a lot of people who hustle and who, who hoof it in the sense of like they have to fund their own brand, whether that's show or YouTube, or blog, Substack, whatever it might be, are captive to the paying audience. And when you're captive to a paying audience, the paying audience eventually becomes a mob that controls you. Mm -hmm. And the paying audience eventually wants more and more red meat and wants more anger because anger is what riles them up and causes them to send the stars or click subscribe or, or, you know, provide for the Patreon, whatever that phrase might be. And so I, I have had to tell myself, because I've spent time with some of these louder figures in Catholic media and Catholic speaking world, like off screen and off stage and off microphones, and they're incredibly chill and normal. And like, you can have a conversation about some of that stuff. And, and on the one hand, I want to say like, you're being duplicitous. Like, that is not who you are on the front of the camera. And like, you're, 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 you're play acting. And that's not fair to your audience. On the other side, though, I, I, I don't blame them all that often because it's like that's how you're feeding your family and that's what you've kind of bought into is this whole idea of I have to be the angry guy. I have to be the voice that says this, that, mm-hmm. or the other. So I have allowed myself to sit in a place of that might be character. That might be the show. I mean, it's, we're seeing this right now with like Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Mm-hmm. The man loved Donald Trump. And in text messages was saying, I can't wait to be rid of him. The same thing happens in Catholic media where people play a character because that's what people expect of them. Or people, you know, are the fire and brimstone, the Pope's not Catholic because that's what garners clicks. But then off screen and on their own with a cigar and a glass of whiskey hanging out on somebody's back porch, they're the most normal person in the world. And like, I've just had to come to grips with the fact that like, I don't know who the real one is. I prefer the one that's not angry, though. So that's just the one that I'm going to hang out with right now. Yeah. And maybe that makes me duplicitous. But I really do think we have a, a bit of, of a showboating 
scam artist problem right now and some of the clickbait Catholicism. And maybe that gets me in trouble for saying that. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to tell anybody who I think these people are, but everybody can can probably surmise who they think that is, you know. So I I compartmentalize it. That's the answer. I pretend I'm interacting with the real person and not the character, even though I don't know what actually is real, the kind Hmm. person I'm talking to or the character on the screen. But I'm going to choose to believe I'm going to fool myself into thinking, oh, okay, that's just the character on the screen. This is who they actually really are. This very pleasant, nice person. Is it uncathic that we've gotten to that point? Oh, for sure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. We will. The most stressed I ever am in my life, Luke, is thinking that when I die, my children will open up my social media accounts and look at all the DMs I ever sent, look at everything I ever said. They will go listen to every hour of tape because I'm their Mm -hmm. mother and they will miss me. Mm -hmm. And will my children think I was an asshole in Catholic media world? Will Mm -hmm. my children think mom was putting on a show? And that keeps me really grounded to be nothing but myself. And and I'm I'm kind of I, I interviewed a woman a few weeks ago on my like a mother podcast, Sharon McMahon from Sharon Says So. She's America's government teacher. That's how she's known. She got huge during COVID. She has over a million followers on Instagram, hugely popular podcast. She she answers like questions concerning government and politics and the news in a very non-biased way. Her whole philosophy is principle over party. And that like, I'm not gonna tell you what I actually think. I'm just gonna present facts to you and as as approachable a way as possible and she said this in the episode that like integrity is huge and that's kind of been living rent free in my head i think we have an integrity problem in catholic world sometimes with the sex abuse crisis with people working in ministry who like go give a fantastic talk about the eucharist and then skip out on adoration and mass at the end of the conference because they have a flight to catch and i've been guilty of that before or people who like have these super popular catholic podcasts but like might not have a prayer life yeah, we have an integrity problem. We have a duplicity problem. We have a showboat problem. I don't know what the fix of that is other than Jesus returning and taking all our microphones, but we certainly have the problem. Yeah, and I it's I have thought about this so much for so, so long. I think maybe five or six years ago, I would have been like, we should all just step away then. Yeah. And I still think I still think that. I mean, I've, I've come close to it. We've, yeah. Gomer and I have like multiple times I've been like, okay, like, um, and I, it's just for some odd reason the lord just keeps being like no and i'm like yeah but what if you know and (laughs) i do think there's this element of like that is just human nature right and it doesn't matter it's like like i could probably go through all of those things in a matter of two hours yeah (laughs) like yeah you you know humans will always do that yeah to me i guess it kind of comes down to like is this a struggle or is this just totally a lie right is it a feature not a bug yeah yeah and that's and that's because like and again we can all kind of become both you know, mm-hmm. and I think it, it ultimately comes down to like what you reap is what you sow. It it, it will always come back. Like to mm-hmm. to to quote, we this, this is I'm catching foxes. So here's like a little Marvel afraid. The bill comes due always, right? You know, like always. it always does. It always does, and mm-hmm. in this life or you know, in the next. And it it just I, I think that's a really like I don't know what else to say besides like just the bill comes due. So however you got to understand how you're going to pay for it, mm-hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I. I there's no yeah. real answer besides just we got to try to figure this out. Right. And we got to keep right. trying because I think like the bottom line is like Catching Foxes started out as like this independent thing. But like this was not meant to be anything. I mean, I'm, I remember talking to Gilmore point in time being like, are all Catholic speakers just bullshit? And he's like, no, they're all pretty cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, like, I, yeah. I mean, I stand by. I can think of only two speakers that I've ever worked with 
that I never want to work with again and that I, I would like actively avoid working with. And I'm not going to name who those people are. And it's, it's not necessarily through any fault of their own. Maybe part of it was like where I was in the, in the course of interacting with them. But yeah, for the most part, I think everyone holding a microphone, everyone standing on a stage, everyone hosting a podcast believes it and started from a place of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Just like I, I, I still believe that every priest God ordained, I, I hope and pray, for the right reasons. Just like you hope like every marriage begins mm-hmm. yeah. with, with like the full consent and freedom totally. and desire. It's not to say that it doesn't become corrupted somewhere along the way. For speakers, I think a lot of times the corruption comes when money gets involved. Uh, it's not to say that you shouldn't be paid when you speak. And I, I certainly, I don't speak for free. There's an intellectual property and a skill set there that I deserve to be compensated for. But as that number gets bigger and as those opportunities become more frequent and as stages become more uh, coveted, I think sometimes people's priorities can get muddied. Same thing with media. Um, you know, I, I have a, a very good group of friends who keep me in check of like, Katie, don't go into radio mode when you're just hanging out with us. Because like there's a temptation. I've got a microphone in front of my face upwards of five hours a day sometimes. And like people are paying to hear me say stuff like I, I have to check that like. My voice is no more valuable at a table of my friends just because I have a microphone and I get to talk mm-hmm. to people, you know, across radio waves. And so I, I think ego, I think money, I think sometimes, too, like we do have you've certainly had this with Catching Foxes. People have an authentic moment sometimes of conversion or challenge because of things that is, are, are said on these platforms. I mean, I, when I so I went after Frad when he said women aren't funny. And I didn't go after him because I wanted him to say I'm funny. I went after him on Twitter because I thought what he said was misogynistic and cruel. And I told him as such. I reached out to him. We mm-hmm. emailed back and forth. We had a conversation. We saw each other a few months later at Seek, hugged it out, laughed, like had a drink and, and were able to just kind of like come to terms of like, we're never going to see eye to eye on this. I think the way you approached it was wrong. You think that my opinion isn't correct, but we can like still stand here and be friendly with one another mm-hmm. because it's OK that we disagree. I know people have listened to Pints with Aquinas, they've listened to my show, they've listened to your show, and they've been moved to deeper faith. And that, I think, makes it worth continuing. Mm-hmm. I think it also like levies a challenge to us that therefore there are, and this is not to sound like more self-important, like, ha look at us Catholic podcasters, but like, there's some eternal consequence to every word that is spoken. I think about that all the time. And it's recorded. It's mm-hmm. recorded. People can scroll back what, eight years on the Catching Foxes feed? They can scroll back four years on Ave Explorers. They can go listen to a thousand plus hours of the Katie McGrady show. Every single word carries weight. And I think when you keep that in front of your mind, you are less likely to say stupid shit. You are less likely to say things purely for the sake of being inflammatory and getting the clicks and the subscribes. Um, It's hard to keep that in front of your mind every single day. I think a lot of of people in Catholic media and Catholic speaking need better prayer lives. And I'm saying that just as much to myself as to anybody else, but like that's the only way forward or we're just a bunch of phonies. Yeah. I mean, again, this is the most catching foxes thing ever, but to quote the dark Knight, either die a hero or you live to become the villain. And the only yeah. way through this is through death. Yeah. Like the only, it's just through death, like just yeah. through dying to self constantly. And like, you know, I remember when Gomer, Remember when there was a thing about uh, they discovered a bunch of migrant um, workers were being kept behind on the cages and stuff, and mm-hmm. everyone on Catholic, uh, you know, everyone was like appalled by it, right? 
And so we start to, I'm going to talk about it. And Gummer goes, actually, I have a little bit of a, of a different take on it. And he was, uh, and he was talking about it from standpoint of he knew some people who like um, worked there and they're like, it's not what you think. It's mm-hmm. a little bit weird right now because of this. Like there was, he basically was providing some of the human context, context yeah. Be, yeah. behind that. And I was like, okay. I was like, so kind of really uncomfortable with all that. But like, mm-hmm. I appreciate because all of a sudden I could just hear in his voice, he goes, I, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> like it's, and I was like, because we, you know, we typically have been a little bit more like uh, trying to find the Catholic viewpoint, not mm-hmm. the right, mm-hmm. not the left. What is it? And, and I think everyone is trying to do that. But like, yeah, the we, virtue, the mean. Yeah. yeah. And I remember someone blasted him on our on Facebook page about it, and I like immediately started to get into a fight with this poor girl who was just like, "Why are you?" Saying? And, I, and I remember just kind of being like, "Why am I doing this? Like, why?" <laughs> like, and she then wrote a review saying, "Jerks for Jesus isn't a thing." <laughs> <laughs> but like, wow. but I was legit like angry on Gomer's behalf, even though I was angry at him for his opinion, because I was like, he was at least he's just coming from where he's coming from. He's and trying like, to understand. Yeah. yeah. And like, if he reaches a conclusion that you don't like, mm-hmm. what is that a problem? Like, right. Can, is like, can we like show that respect to the other side if we think mm-hmm. they're vehemently wrong? No, I don't know what the comp. I don't like. I don't know where you draw the line. Like, do we do it right. for abortion? Do we do it for um, racism? Do we do it for you know misogyny? Like, where do we draw that line? Yeah, yeah. it's not easy. It's not. Yeah. it's not easy at all. And I don't think we people no longer. My mom was saying this to me the other day because I got like viscerally angry about something incredibly minute, um, and she was like, "You don't have to assume malice." I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. but they they harmed me," and she was like. They made you wait for 30 extra minutes. I was like, yeah, but like I was owed, like I was like, it was a whole justice thing for me. Like my appointment was at nine. I was, I should have been in there by nine. And instead they made me sit there. And it was just like, she was like, everyone, I think since COVID, because we all felt so slighted, because it revealed this deep wound of none of us want anything to ever be different. And all of the stability we thought we had was so incredibly precarious that it just caused Either it caused a wound or it revealed a wound that was deep there. Mm-hmm. Um, we just assume the worst of one another now. And like I do that. I assumed the worst of Frad when he said what he said. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm sure he assumed the worst of me when I blasted him on Twitter. I assume the worst of the person who sends me an email and tells me. So this morning I decided I was going to talk about the writer's strike on my radio show. And I was going to talk about it from the perspective of justice and dignity. And like if there's a. 97% block of people saying we feel wronged, then we should pay attention to that. And so like I stand with the writers. I canceled four subscription services this morning. I have friends that are affected by this writer strike. Like I'm going to do my small part. Mm-hmm. And this guy emailed me. He emailed me with his real name. So I have his real name and his real email. And so like <laughs> he at least owned it. And he was like, you were biased in your opinion. The majority of your listeners are not union workers. You should present the other side. And I assumed malice of this guy. I got so pissed at this Mm -hmm. guy's email. Replied. I never replied to listener emails because I just don't have time for that. Yeah. And most of them are very nice. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I'm grateful that they come through. But every now and then there's that one where it's just like, this person just really did look up my email address and fired off commentary about a 10-minute segment of a radio show. Like, I don't have that kind of time in my day. Get Mm -hmm. a life, man. But I replied to him. And he replied back. And his reply back to me was this much longer than my reply to him. In which I was quite deferential and said, thank you for listening. You know, it's my show, so I'm going to present my opinion. Why do you think the majority of my listeners would be anti-union the way that you say I was just showing solidarity with a group of people that I think have been treated unfairly, right? Thanks for listening to the show. Sign my name. 
And he replies back with this big long thing. And my my husband, it's kind of like become a mantra in our family. Don't assume the worst. Like he probably just wanted to be heard. He probably hmm. just wanted to like talk back. You didn't take callers. Sometimes you take callers about hot topics and you didn't take a caller today. Yeah. So like maybe this was like I I have to check myself constantly and I do a terrible job. And I'm sure you and Gomer have to when it comes to critiques of the show or I mean, if it just comes to life. Mm-hmm. Like I, I we have all become people who assume the very worst of each other. And I think that's that's going to destroy us. I mean, this is this is what happened no, to Nate and Ted Lasso. Like he assumed the worst of Ted mm-hmm. that Ted doesn't like me anymore. Which resulted in this like hard break in their friendship and in their lives because he assumed the worst. And and so like in a fiction universe, we all get furious at Nate thinking like we're the Ted character. But no, like we're Nate, everybody. Like we do this to each other all the freaking time. That was a that was a great segue. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> Look at that. Well, <laughs> I'm looking at the clock. There's a brand know, new episode out right now, right? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the whole reason why we're on was talking about we TV gotta get to Ted. Lasso. We gotta get to Ted. We gotta get well, to succession. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll just let me just add, add this. There's a yeah, um, please, please. Saint Ignatius line where he says, "Presume the good," and that yes. has been like super challenging because yeah. like I have I have honestly I have deleted more quote tweets that I was about to do, which isn't even the thing anymore. It's supposed to be like retweeting. Just screenshot them and send them to me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to presume the good, and that's super difficult. But like, I want everyone to do it for me all the time. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. really do. You know, it's the golden rule. It's the golden rule. And yeah, I mean, Jesus called it. I think if Jesus were to see us now, he'd just roll his eyes. Like I deeply believe there'd be a lot of eye rolling from the Lord these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I'm not sure if you've been I'm listening to the podcast at all. And if not, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't listen to anyone that anything does. <laughs> so uh, I'll listen to our um soccer podcast and movie podcast. So. I went, I've been going to like an SSP church for a bit and I like, I am going kicking and screaming and I'm like judging everyone while I'm there because I'm like, you probably hate me, don't you? <laughs> it's like, I think that like multiple times throughout like a mass, but like I am so drawn to beauty at mass mm-hmm. that I like, my soul needs this right now. Like mm-hmm. I was at mass and they play the song that I love, my favorite song in the world that I've always forget how to, how to pr- pronounce it. And I started to cry like afterwards, like mm-hmm. I also had tears in my eyes. And I was there, I was there, uh, I was, and actually had Everly, who was two and a half. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm making her like sit through a high mass in the back because we got there kind of late. And I'm like, no, this is daddy's um, favorite song. You just really, I need to hear this right now. And I'm like, have like um, tears in my eyes. And I'm like, I need to not be judgmental towards all of these people mm-hmm. who are, and I'm convinced are judging me because mm-hmm. I have said some pretty harsh things. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, and and so yeah. <laughs> it was like okay, Don't like let them find the show. Yeah, and I mean, I I had to actually we me and Gomer we, we actually I've talked about it on the show. He goes, "I'm only going to do it if you promise to be nice." And I was like, "Okay, fine," <laughs> even though you're kind of going down that rat trap, rap Gomer. <laughs> but like, well, you know, yeah. As I'm the one who's going to, <laughs> as you're going to, that's the net catching foxes goes trad. Like <laughs> yeah, the the B side becomes like you guys commenting on. The Nova Sordo versus the TLM. Oh my gosh! Like it's oh. a, like it's the thing is like after working for the Glen Mary Home Insurance, how can I ever be angry at the Nova Sordo? You know they had perfected <laughs> it in all its boomer ways. It's incredible. I was at our not our normal parish a few weeks ago, and was so grateful for my super tratty Nova Sordo parish because I was just like, oh, I forgot how bad that hymnal was. <laughs> like, I am so glad that we don't have that at the church that we now go to. So no, yeah, I wear veils. Don't worry. Yeah, it's it's definitely like, I feel like I'm one of those Catholics that like, I'm on the side of the rat trads, but I understand the boomer anger. 
yeah. towards it, you know? Well, so and, like, and when you, yeah. Yeah. Boomer or the Gen X anger or the, um, you know, whatever, insert whoever here anger. Yeah. I mean, every generation has their beef, right? And like, if you yeah. look at the, the one, those who were given the Novus Ordo and were told, make it your own. Okay. Well, at least they listened to the instructions. It's just not our own. It's not millennials. It's not Xennials own. So yeah. like now we want our turn and sometimes we're told no. That's a hard. Nobody likes being told no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've had like people legit come up to me and say, I don't understand why all these young priests are just, you know, in the cassocks. We wanted to get as far away from that as we could. Luke, you agree. I'm right. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> actually, I, like I think it's cassock. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. Our guys wear white cassocks yeah. in the South and it's amazing. That's awesome. They're <laughs> white cassocks with black buttons. <laughs> awesome. They look like little peacocks in the back. <laughs> they have the huge hats. We, our guys are very into Berettas down here. That's amazing. Oh, it's I love the great. South so much. How are, you should know my bishop is good friends with Cardinal Burke. So that's the flavor. Of our diocese. <laughs> That's awesome. Guess who's back? Our good friends at Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Decided Excellence is a print media company that specializes in community and parish magazines. Through local business sponsorship, Decided Excellence is concerned with bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to homes and highlighting the actions of the body of Christ in the local community. Parishes partner with Decided Excellence Catholic Media to produce a monthly magazine that is sent to parishioners in Catholic-affiliated homes in the parish boundaries. Love that. Decided Excellence trains your staff to organize content from, from the parish. And let's be honest, your staff probably needs a training, and you, deep down in your bones, know, know this. But honestly, should it be that much extra work because someone is already doing this for the bulletin, hopefully. Every magazine's centerpiece is a family from the parish that the parish wants to spotlight. This is also an opportunity for parents. I should add those. Any little side comment is clearly coming from me, not from the ad copy, just so we're all very aware of this. This is also an opportunity for parishes to feature their own original content in evangelization and catechesis and to highlight the various ministries of the parish. There's an extensive Decided Excellence Library, which has articles from Bishop Barron, Scott Hahn, Relevant Radio, PrimeSoil.com, and much more in the event the parishes need additional content. Decided Excellence does all the designing, editing, and mailing for you. That's got to be a load off of your own shoulders. Am I right, old people in the back? A parish magazine is supplemental to the bulletin. Why it improves the bulletin. There's a good chance I wasn't supposed to read the bold part out loud, but here we are. The bulletin is available to people who go to Mass or search it out online. The parish magazine is the only way to reach 100% of your registered parishioners. I actually really love this idea, which is why, why, why we have them. We being decided excellent. Because of our professional design team and production team, the Parish Magazine is superior in beauty and quality. Our magazines are opened, kept, read, and shared. There are parishes all over the country who have created parish magazines, and parishioners love them. The magazine communicates the good works of the parish, strengthens community, and has even brought parishioners back to Mass. How to bring one to your, your parish. Check out decidedexcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information f- form. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and priest. Again, that website is decidedexcellence.com slash parish. D-E-C-I-D-E-D-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E dot com slash parish. P-A-R-I-S-H. Decidedexcellence.com slash parish. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and and priests. Get on it. Let's let's do it, people. Go to it. You can flip through a magazine to see what our magazines are like here by going to decidedexcellence.com. Again, that is decidedexcellence.com. 
D-E-C-I-D-E-D-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E.com. Seriously, I'm actually, it would be kind of fun to do a Decided Excellence Catching Foxes magazine. What would that be? A lot of good intentions. All right. Anyways, thank you to our very good friends at Decided Excellence for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. How are you doing on time? I'm good. You're good? Okay. Go. So, yeah. Ted Lasso, this is, so this is why I like um, had you on. You, <laughs> you, you this, saw my tweet. I was yeah, like begging tweet. somebody to talk I was to like, me about Ted Lasso. <laughs> I was like, do we not exist? No, but... <laughs> you do. I just didn't want to be presumptuous and be like, oh, guys, no. can I please Listen, come on? Any point in and time. Talk- because I, I have to tell you, I was talking about Ted Lasso and somebody emailed me and was like, you're spoiling it. So like, guys, it's a Tuesday night show. It doesn't come out on Wednesdays. It comes on a Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central. Watch it. And I'm going to talk about it on Wednesdays. So yeah. I had to stop talking about it on my radio show. I no, listen, this is spoil. Listen, everyone, if you're not watching <laughs> Ted Lasso, like I, life is I better with watched, spoilers. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but I, I have not watched past episode seven. Like spoilers up to season three, episode seven. I'm aware of what happens only because I read the, the Wikipedia. Or, uh-huh. But there I'm you. not opposed to being spoiled anymore for like a show like this. Yeah, I'm not. For the I, most part, I went and read um, Barry descriptions the other day because <sighs> it's a scary show, that and so I need to know yeah. what's coming. Otherwise, I'm going to be freaked out. So yeah, spoilers are not succession. I don't like spoiled for me, but that's because it's like low stakes rich people who are terrible. You know, nobody's good. So. That's yeah. I, that's how I was with Game of Thrones. I did it. I want to know because mm-hmm. I just wanted this. It was I was there for the for the history. Right, right, right. I was paying attention when it when it wasn't on for the history. Mm-hmm. I was watching for the spectacle. Did you do House of Dragon? Uh, House of I did. Dead Dragon. The first few episodes, and I was like, uh, I, I, time, like, time for me has been so, like, yeah, it got, it, it was okay. I, I enjoyed it more because I listened to all the Ringerverse coverage of it. Oh, and so it was like deep dives into shows are better than the shows themselves. And that's like the world, the world of nerddom. But none of the Ringerverse guys are doing Ted Lasso. And it's really, I don't understand me. why. I don't understand I, I, why. I think they just like to be antagonistic. Oh, everybody likes it, then we hate it. Like, it's just so stupid. Yeah, I, it my, drives me nuts. My dream job is to just run the Catholic version of the, the Ringer. The Catholic version of the I Ringer. Just, I'm it, like, I'm dying for it's it. It's got to exist. Somebody I'm dying somewhere, for it. Bill, Simon, Bill Simmons, right? He dreamed mm-hmm. up there's got to be an intersection point. Hello, we're those people. We are your audience. So there's got to be an intersection point between pop culture, sports, and Catholicism. Yes, that's what I'm dying for. So I'm make like, it. I'm like, make like, it. Spoke Street. Spoke Street. Please turn into this. <laughs> Spoke Street. What can we call it? Okay. Spoke Street. We, we need something a little quicker, though. Not, like, you've got the ringer. What's the. Uh, Luke's happy place. Luke's happy place. <laughs> we'll call the it cassock. The cassock. The, uh, yeah. the chalice, right? What's a ringer? <laughs> I mean, they called the ringer why? Because I'm you the, call in a ringer? Yeah, because, like, no, because you um, have a ringer as a person who, like, they appear to be bad, but they're actually very good. Okay, so they like and so yeah. they're a ringer. Yeah. They like kind of like they fool you to think in there, you know. They whatever. come in, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So because it's we'll think about what the Catholic version of that is. Did uh, you ever read Grantland or go to or listen to any podcasts on Grantland? I did not. You okay? Have you ever watched Mad Men? Yes, a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Did you like it? I did. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I thought John Hamm was attractive. So of course. no, I mean, yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, Look at that jaw. <laughs> go to go to Grantland. Type in uh, Mad Men review. There's, okay. a, I think her name is Molly Lambert or or um, something like that. She wrote the most incredible recap um, writings I've ever read. I mean, they yeah. are works of art. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they, it's just it's it's absolutely mind like they are art in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. And Grantland was started by Bill Simmons. The point was to do long form things on the same stuff that that right. the Ringer 
talks about. So have you heard of the um, Men and Blazers podcast, the Ari of Soccer mm-hmm. podcast? Mm-hmm. They started on Grantland. I love, yeah. I the so I'm a new soccer fan. Welcome, uh, welcome, one of us. And I Googled, what should I listen to to become a better soccer fan? And that was like hit number one. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was great. It was great. I, uh, I'm i new to the fandoms of Newcastle uh, because I've been there. So like I feel the like, oil money? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I stayed in a hotel and I could see the stadium. So it's like, okay, I feel, no, that's that's I feel like there's a fair. slight connection. I, I mean, I could be a Liverpool fan because I've been to Liverpool a couple of times too. But Newcastle was playing on the day where I was now, like, I need to pick a team. And, that's and it was where, a great that's game. How it happens. That's how and it I happens. really liked the powder blue. Same thing that happened with the Warriors. I live in Southwest Louisiana and don't like going to California. And I'm a Warriors fan because <laughs> the first NBA basketball game I ever watched with my now husband when we were dating in a Best Western in New Orleans, Louisiana at the bar while having like the worst flat beer I've ever had in my entire life, Steph Curry hit like three after three after three. And I turned to my then boyfriend. I was like, is basketball fun to watch? <laughs> Yeah. And he was like, "I can I date you? Like, if you didn't think it was before this moment? So we had an existential crisis in our relationship. I said, I think I could watch basketball, but they're going to be my team. And he said, oh, great. Well, they're like number one in the league. That makes and they've easy. been on a wonderful, so it makes it easy. And like, there have been some heartbreaks since 2014 with the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. But I've, a few down years. <laughs> a few down years. But, you know, we've, yeah. we've done pretty good. You know, Steph hit 50 the other night, and that was a dream. Sweet. That's not the other night, the afternoon. So yeah, so my fandoms to sports come around in weird ways. But once they're there, I'm loyal. I have a Warriors blanket on my bed for the NBA playoffs. That's amazing. I ordered a jersey for Newcastle because it's like once I picked you, you're there mine. You go. They're, so so they're uh, they're about to, so Newcastle's about to like skyrocket. Mm-hmm. So they got those. Uh, they uh, have the new owners. Yeah. They've got a good, yeah, but they've got yeah. a great story. They're about to play Arsenal on Sunday. Mm-hmm. My, I recommend if you need a, this isn't a good intro to soccer because it's really all about the World Cup. But if you need to hear uh, something, we interviewed the total uh, soccer show guys. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. In yeah. September, which for in. me was a big deal. Like it's it was a big a deal. Big, yeah. Like my ear, my like headphones were all screwed up. You could barely hear me. So like I, I tried to talk <laughs> and it had the video, but then Gomer would interject. And I'm like, no, wait, I'm the one who needs this. I've been listening since 2013. <laughs> but like <laughs> it was so boys. much. It was so much fun because they were like real podcasters. So they like just brought it. They, I mean, they brought yeah. the heat. And I was like, oh, we, we were awesome. like, oh, this is like, it felt like this we're kind of going. Yeah. And it's like, you could tell when I, I remember I, I went and, and I'm listening back to it. You could tell that we're like, we're all just having fun. Like mm-hmm. it's just a fun hour. People who like the podcast just being like, oh, like we can just, we'll just bring our energy and see what happens. Mm-hmm. See and what happens. Yeah. Make magic. Yeah. Yeah. So can I make the case for you as a soccer fan that I promise we'll go to Ted yeah, Lasso, course, why you need to become a U.S. men's um, national team fan. Well, I, I'm there, man. Like, I'm, I'm happy to root for the U.S. But, like, right? real. Can, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, real as in, like, the real. So, not, so tell me, the U.S. men's national team is going to be the team that goes, hopefully, to the World Cup. They, they'll they be in the World Cup because it'll be here in 2026. It'll be here. So they're for sure. And it's, like, spread it. out all across the country. So like yes. you could potentially get to go to a game. Oh, I'm going to yeah. go to every game. I've thought about, ha- oh, yeah. I've thought about having, like, a live. I'm catching foxes at, like. You but I want to watch one game with Everly because she'll be old enough to actually remember it. She'll to be appreciate six. it, yeah. So yeah. I want her. So, but I will probably. I'm saving up my money. I've estimated Do how much it will shop? cost. Is, like, the. No. Is the. Because weren't they bad last World Cup? They were good. So our. So our basically. Bare minimum, this is as good as we are, is we will get out of the group and we will lose in the, in the next game. The one time that didn't happen was in, tw- was in 2002. We actually advanced because we, we played Mexico. It's, it was a great opportunity. It was this thing where like, I'm a luck, met, well-prepared, mm-hmm. hardworking 
individuals. So they were they had a great plan. They had great athletes. They they played their. I mean, they went all out. Like they just mm-hmm. like I mean, they beat on Portugal, who would have been like they were a contender in, in 2002 to win. So it was a shock win. Oh wow! But there's a lot of luck that plays into them getting to that spot. And it seems mm-hmm. that are basically in on the 94 when we had the, the World Cup, they like n- none of our players played on pro teams for the most part, besides like indoor um, soccer teams. So they basically mm-hmm. U.S. Um, soccer paid their salaries they trained like year round for like oh, wow. two to three years yeah and so because it was like guys they didn't play on pro teams they were coming mm-hmm. out of college or they had mm-hmm. like left college mm-hmm. to go and to uh, do this and, to, and they got out of the group and they lost to brazil and they almost won it, it just, wow. if one guy had not gotten injured they would have probably been on Pulled brazil it, it was yeah. it was just would have been incredible oh yeah so they set the bar and we've never really actually moved past it besides one time okay. in, in t- 2009 we beat spain who was the best team in the world in a um, competition that was legit um, um, a victory. Wow. But f- so in my opinion, what a reasonable expectation for us would be, would be to, if we can win the next group stage game, if we set the bar as in not only do we get out of the group, but we win the knockout game. And yeah. now it's about getting to like the quarterfinals. The, to me, that's realistic. Anything that's beyond realistic. that, that's a miracle. It's that's a dream. A yeah. yeah I am never more patriotic than when the U.S. is competing as a country somewhere. Like, I cry when I hear the mm-hmm. national anthem at the Olympics. Yep. It doesn't matter what sport it is, fencing, swimming, I am, I'm watching it and yeah. I'm rooting for you. So, yeah, I'm all in on the – I mean, there's a World Cup. I was – so this past – wasn't it this past summer? Yeah, it, um, was, it was in the fall because of Qatar and it was weird. Yeah, so. I think I watched the final – it, well, was it was Argentina France versus and France. It was Argentina. A and I wonderful was, game. Wonderful I'm French, game. so I was rooting for France because, like, nope, somebody needed to. Nobody it's, else it's was. Fair. Everybody's yeah, rooting no, for Argentina. No, yeah, no one but France was. It was still a sore point, by the way, when I was I was in France at the end of January, and I like brought up the World Cup, and they were all like, "Don't do not talk about it." And I was like, yeah. okay, "I'm sorry." No, sorry. smoking a cigarette. Yeah, 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 yeah. You stupid awesome. American. Yeah. yeah. But I, my husband, like, mentioned casually, just like, you know, it's in America next time. And I went, yeah, but like where? We're not going to be able to go to. He's like, no, no, no. It's like everywhere. It's and every- so Houston has some. And I was like, well, we're, I don't care who's playing. Like, I'm going to go see it. New, uh, New Orleans has a USFL team. It's amazing. Uh, what are they called? It's a weird name. Wait, is it a, a USFL or is it a, a USL team? I think it's USFL. That's it was, okay. I always forget. Like, I, I can't remember which that, one's the new. It was football. on the USA network being broadcast. That's amazing. And I was like, I could watch these on TV. I could drive there. Like, I could go to a game. And then tickets were like super cheap, like 75 bucks because they just need people to go. Yeah. So I told Tommy, we're absolutely doing that at some point. You know, like, I've watched uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Like, I'm all about like the underdog oh, story. It's amazing. So good. It was so good. And this is um, why I love the US men's um, national team because they're the last American thing where we're truly the underdog. Yeah. Like, yeah. We really, really are. It's kind of nice to be like, able to root. Yeah. For us and like the dream and the hopes and you've I've never lived until you've cried after a game because they've lost and you realize you have four years of nothing Un- and until like, yeah. you have like a stranger has to like literally give you a hug while he leaves the bar. That's <laughs> a real you, thing. Do you have a Premier League team? I support um, Liverpool. Liverpool. So okay. My buddy Scott and I, who was was on some early I'm Catching Foxes episodes when Gomer couldn't be on. Uh, for anyone who's diehard still around from then, who knows if you are? <laughs> my gosh, do you need a therapist? Thanks Better for help being it. here. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> uh, but uh, we took a quiz, and so in 23. Actually, so okay. So funny story. So uh, Ted Lasso starts as a commercial, 
Right. When in the Premier League Great. moved to NBC, we thought it was hilarious. We all love Jason, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jason Sudeikis. So we took a quiz and they like had this online quiz and we got Liverpool and we felt like there for us, go. it was perfect because they, we were, he was a Boston, I'm a Red Sox fan and I, and I am a Reds fan. And it was like, okay, teams that have a, they have like a history of being good. They may or may not be right now, but like there's that history there. Right. Right. They're kind of in it. But they're not like the top of the top, and so yeah. and yeah, we yeah. were blessed with hiring. Uh, well, they almost won that year. Actually, they were. I saw they were one bad play away. Oh. Basically, Steven Gerrard slips playing against Chelsea, mm. and if he doesn't slip, they probably win the mm-hmm. Premier League that year. Yeah, one play. Yeah, well, just like in, in you know Wrexham with the FA Cup, if they hadn't been offsides, it, they could have potentially pulled it out. Yeah, it's I'm I've heard people say this before about soccer. Oh, it's such a heartbreaking sport. And it I is. always thought it's like, it's a sport. Who gives a crap? But then I watched a game in the Minneapolis airport sitting in the chilies mm-hmm. and, and like I texted you was like, How the hell was that off sides? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm in it now. Like this is a problem. When Just, Katie's a fan of something, she stays up late to watch it. <laughs> when you so. like I had someone I, we were doing a live catching foxes out in St. Louis and someone asked me who Paxton Pomacol was, I think. I forget exactly who it was. And I was like, oh, 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 oh sir, sir. Who's like <laughs> the like, you know, he's like one of our like at the time young guys. Now he hasn't really pan panned out. I was just like, just tell him that I wept on October 10th, 2017, <laughs> and he'll the, understand. The details. Yeah. yeah, like he'll understand. Like yeah. I was watching the Quavo game. So yeah, yeah. it's like and it's why I think so Ted Lasso's like super fascinating because it's so big, because I think you like it's. I think I saw you tweet how it's not a soccer pot. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not a um, soccer show, and it's not. But there are these nuggets, right? And these they're coming things. from Brendan Hunt, who plays yes. Coach Beard. You know, yeah. he actually did a soccer podcast with one of the guys from yeah. um, the Men of Blazers. That's wonderful, and with Rebecca Lowe during the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's a real fan. Yeah, it's oh, you're trying so hard to stay up. I'm and, sorry. And no, no, no. I'm, I, it was it was a random. I I'm I'm in it. I'm in okay. this conversation. No, I was trying to hide the yawn, and yeah. you caught me. Oh, I always feel so bad because being Gomer just goes so late. I'm like everyone no, you're else. Good. Is a you're good. You're good. You're fine. You're fine. I told Tommy I was like at ten fifteen, so we've got thirty more minutes if you want to go that long. <laughs> I think so. I, I was I I saw somebody post on Facebook, no Twitter, so that when they go to West Ham, is it where they when they go to West Ham? Whenever they go to where Roy's old club was, mm-hmm. and he walks out and he says hi to the grounds guy, and he he calls him you effing wanker or whatever he calls him. Yeah, and and somebody had tweeted they were like nobody everybody's just gonna think that's like a a joke like oh Roy was a jackass to everybody, but that's like a a thing where like football players they know the like every it's a mm-hmm. family element and so like he was that's exactly what a football player would have done had they gone yep. back to their own club. I did not know that detail. But knowing that that was put into the show, I, I think indicates that there's a great care for getting that culture right. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that about television. I appreciate good shows that do good world building to where there's layers. The casual fan likes it because, ooh, there might be a romance here. The soccer fan likes it because, like, oh, I get to watch a fake game. The person who likes good writing knows that it's a joke machine. But that all together, there's just you can keep going back to it. So I've rewatched it now. I've rewatched seasons one, two, and the current season twice all the way through. Interesting. And I restarted season one today because I had a little bit of like downtime at my lunch break. 
And I just I just love a well done show. Mm-hmm. I think Ted Lasso is better binged than watched week to week. I think that's my new determination. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I, that, so, okay, so season one came out during COVID. Mm-hmm. And they didn't release it week to week. They released it, I think, like they two did. at a time. Yeah. They released, yeah, so it was two at a time. So people got it faster, and it was feel good, and it was it was fun, and it was delightful, and like you believed that this was a show about hope. Right. Like it ends in a nice, tidy way. Nate gets promoted to coach. You're rooting for everyone. There's no cliffhanger. Everybody needed that in 2020. 2022, we get season two where like and they'd always said this is going to be a three season arc. There might be more down the line. And now they're like teasing. We don't know when that's going to be. But like Mm -hmm. we know that this story they're telling right now is three seasons. So like Nate's going to get some nice wrap up at the end of season three. We're going to find out if Ted and Rebecca are actually going to get together. Hopefully Keely gets back with either Jamie or Roy because I think this Jack storyline is just stupid. Not because of like anything, you know, like theologically. I just like she's in her own show all of a sudden. She's not interacting with any of these people that she's normally gotten to be with. But so I did not watch Ted Lasso ever week to week to week until this season. And I think a lot of people saved episodes of season two to where they could like watch them really, really quickly and then build up to the finale. And it's because of the callbacks. The highest form of comedy is the callback. Mm -hmm. And they are a show that ties together a a floater comment in season one when Roy says prima or pre Madonna at in episode four when they're at the banquet, when they're fundraising for the children's. Mm -hmm. And he says that he says it to Jamie. What a prima Donna. And, And then that's a callback in season three when they're sitting in the restaurant with Sam. And like together and, and Jamie like calls him on it all of a sudden. Like he's like, what did you just call me? Like, that's not the word. And like that joke, you don't remember if you haven't rewatched season one necessarily, but you also will miss because you're like only concerned about the plot moving forward because it's a week to week to week thing versus huh. if you binge it, you can pay attention to these little tiny details because you know that there's another one coming up next and you're not like weirdly scared to, fin- you know how like when you have a really good piece of steak on your plate? And you're terrified to get to the last bite. So you like you're saving that final last bite because you know it's gonna be really, really good. But so as a result of like you're you're so worried that it's gonna end that you're not actually enjoying the meal. Mm-hmm. I think like Ted Lasso is best watched in just scrunched together. Here's my 36 episodes. That makes sense. And here's my meal. And I know how it's gonna end, but I'm gonna enjoy every single second of it. Now that doesn't mean I'm not gonna continue watching it week to week, but I've enjoyed season three a ton more the second time through because I can just watch them back to back to back. It's kind of interesting how TV, like certain shows mm-hmm. are better like that. And certain shows aren't. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, what's up? It's Luke. And I'm here today to welcome back to the podcast sponsor, Angie's Saint Magnets. I love these magnets so, so freaking much. If you love the saints, Angie's Saint Magnets has a unique way for you to display all your favorites. Artist and creator Angie spends time in prayer and reflection before drawing each Saint Magnet image by hand. Each image is then professionally printed on high quality metal magnets for your refrigerator, locker, filing cabinet, front office, or any magnetic surface at your home, office, or school. Angie's Saint magnets are the perfect gift for any occasion their unique and charming design appeals to all ages everly loves these magnets they sent a couple to us a couple of months ago she loves them so much they're gorgeous i'm honestly obsessed with this with this product 
honestly, I'm actually I'm actually so glad they're sponsoring it because I need to buy a lot more magnets. So what you can do is if you want to go and buy one, I highly encourage you to do so. They're freaking great. Again, Everly loves them. Use offer code FOXES20 for 20% off your purchase at Angie's St. Magnets. Dot com. Special discounts are available for parishes or schools ordering large quantities of their patron saint. Angie also creates custom images for weddings, anniversaries, memorials, and other special occasions. Contact Angie at Angie's Saint Magnets for details on, on your custom orders. Again, I am obsessed with them. They are great. They are very well done. Everly loves them. I love them. I really encourage you to go and check that out again. That website, angiessaintmagnets.com. That's spelled A-N-G-I-E-S-S-A-I-N-T-M-A-G-N-E-T-S.com. And use the promo code FOXES20 for 20% off your purchase at angiessaintmagnets.com. This is a sponsor who I talk about, regardless if they are a sponsor or not. I told other people to buy them. I hope you go and check them out. And you can get 20% off your purchase today if you use the code AMOFOXES20 at angiessaintmagnets.com. Thank you to Angie's Saint Magnets for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. I think one of the things that's going on like within television is like this is the Wild West. Like, like really within a lot of media, this is the Wild West. With streaming, yeah, mm-hmm. A take a TV show like Kenobi probably would have the general narrative is would have been better as a mm-hmm. movie, right? And then I'm thinking of a, trying to think of like a movie. Someone talked about the sh- the uh, movie Elvis. Would that have been better as a show? Yeah, hundred percent. And just different things like like we're trying to figure out like oh, like how do we What's, do this? Yeah. yeah, and like a show like Game of Thrones to me, I would I I want that spaced out. I want to think about what's happening. I want right. to debate. I want to like. I want to learn. I want to. Digest as much as yeah. I can. I want like yeah. give me, you know, I would have been fine. I honest to God would have been fine with months between episodes. Yeah. Like totally. And like I so House of the Dragon, they gave us what half a season with the young cast and half a season with the old cast. Yeah. I would have been perfectly fine with an entire season of like the pre-tale before the dance actually began. Mm-hmm. Simply because it's like I'm fine with the world building. I think Hollywood has, and we're seeing this with the writer strike, has become victim to like Alexander Hamilton syndrome, right? Like you're running out of time. And it's like, you're not running out of time. Streaming's not going anywhere. I, I don't think anybody's going to pull down these platforms that everybody's paying for. And yeah. the content machine literally has to constantly have something new. So just like take a breath and like give us something good. All that being said, TV's about to implode because these writers are going to be on strike for the next 200 days. I know. Nothing's coming out in the fall. So hope you have a backlog, folks. <laughs> you know, like, hope you have things you're ready to watch. 2007 movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ted Lasso... Where Okay, where are you? What episode are you on right now? So we're recording this the day that episode eight premiered, but I haven't seen it yet. So up okay. through seven. So y- season three. I believe like there's some tactical adjustment that's going on within the team. In the show, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't, I haven't read anything about like episode eight. So, yeah, all I'm I not... know. So Sam, everybody was playing. Zava's gone. Mm-hmm. Zava left the team. Mm-hmm. They have repositioned themselves into total football. Okay, you, you you can't play to me. You have to play through, through me, me, as Jamie yeah. said. It's all um, positioning. There's a great little Hogan's Heroes theme song in the middle of the episode, and I was like, oh my 
this is scratching like every itch I have for classic TV. <laughs> That's they awesome. know me. They're in my brain. The algorithms know. So yeah, so it'll be really, and so this next episode, so like we're predicting things and when people listen to this, maybe they'll have seen that so far. Ted's ex-wife and her new boyfriend are going on vacation in Paris and they drop Henry off with Ted. And so the, like the preview of the episode, like the line says that like Ted comes to grips with this new reality. And so I think my prediction, and I'll be proven right or wrong in an hour, Ted has a panic attack and Rebecca comes to take care of him and Henry and they realize that they have been in love this whole time huh? because Ted is a believer in rom-communism and this is a rom-com after all. That's true. So there's a, that was, huh? I, I kind of don't want that to happen only because I like, you're not Rebecca the only person that's told me that. Yeah. See, I, I don't, I don't like Rebecca and Sam because of the power dynamic of like a very fair. wealthy, older that's woman. Fair like using this young buck and like i don't think that's what was happening like i think they were two fully consenting adults but i there's just been so ted lasso twitter which is a fun <laughs> fun twitter to be on and that's there's like amazing. a handful of a handful of accounts that like track all the little tiny things there's just been a lot of like yeah little tiny subtle hints that i do think i think they're soulmates i don't know if they're romantic soulmates huh. um that's and that i think like so like ted signed his divorce papers on the same day that Rebecca, her anniversary to um, Rupert, right? So like kind of shared trauma on a date, like a marriage that was doomed from the beginning. Both have like intense, deep drama with their dads. Like Ted's That's my dad, favorite oh, moment of, of the show is yeah. now the, how they cut between the two and the, they were uh, The two of their, like their stories, yeah. right? Like Ted's dad killed himself the same day that Rebecca, like Rebecca caught her father cheating on her mother, right? So, like, I think there's there's too many similarities of their traumatic stories to where they've both arrived at this club. Ted has arrived there because he's giving his wife space. She's arrived there because she wants to destroy her ex. Like, they're both not there for the right reasons. Like, let's be real. Like, yeah, Ted went with, like, the best of intentions, but he's really running away from something. And Rebecca thinks that she's running to something that's actually going to satisfy her. So, like, there's too much shared trauma in their stories for them not to have something deeper in this season besides, like, you're a good boss, you're a good coach. I don't think that it's coming in this episode. I think it's going to come in the penultimate because in the penultimate of the last two seasons, that's when, like, Rebecca has come into his office and admitted something. Uh, and in season that's two, amazing. in season two, she said, like, he points it out to her. He's like, last year in this exact spot, you know, you, you made a confession. And, and so, like, she walks out of the office and he goes, same time, same place next year. And she goes, see you then. So, like, I think that, like, that's the show telling us, like, we're building to some significant moment, whether it's a kiss, whether it's a hug. You know, I don't I don't think boat guy comes back. I don't I wasn't a big fan of the Amsterdam guy. Mm -hmm. I, I understand, like, why they put it in there. But I do think Ted Beck is endgame. I'm OK if it's not. But I do think they've been setting us up for it. I, yeah. I, after hearing all that, like. Yeah, it's, after my extensive analysis. That's amazing. That sounds like me and Game of Thrones. <laughs> and that's like, like, that's like not even the half of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, of like, so like she goes, to, so one, one to convince you beyond this, the, the psychic mentions like there's a Japanese art of repair. And then Ted talks about the Japanese myth of the red string tying souls together. She like goes to the psychic and then she bumps into Ted in the hallway and he goes, ah, I can be a little bit psychic. Uh, it's like they like, like they're just like on the same wavelength. They are a hundred percent on the same wavelength, and they just don't realize it just yet. He's been making her biscuits every day for three years. Who does that? Yeah. Who does that? 
Like he did it to win her over in the beginning. But why does he keep doing it? Because he loves her. He cares about her. I don't know hmm. that he necessarily knows it's romantic love, but there's yeah. a there's a connection and a friendship there to where he's making biscuits every week for this woman. It's not simply that so that like huh. she tolerates him, you know. That's so huh. <laughs> so there's a in the beginning of the of the show when they're on the plane out to England, Coach mm-hmm. Beard is reading a book called The Inverted Pyramid. Uh-huh. which is a history of um, soccer tactics, mm-hmm. basically building up to total football. Mm-hmm. Explains how John... So it was, um, it was hinting, yeah. And um, Yeah, and when we brought that up, I was like, huh. Because I thought that him reading the inverted pyramid was just a nod to geeks like me. Because it is, if you want a boring, dry, awful read right. on the history of soccer That's um, the- tactics, it is that book. I mean, it okay. is like atrocious. Yeah, so the books, apparently Brendan Hutt said in an interview that the book that Beard is reading tells you what the next episode's going to be about. And I've, huh. I have not gone back through to like deeply look at that, but he said that in an interview with someone. Um, I mean, Jack gave Keeley Sense and Sensibility. And the whole plotline of Sense and Sensibility is that like the young, beautiful girl runs off with the attractive lover who sweeps her off her feet, who then like leaves her at the first sign of scandal and she goes back to the old grump. So like, I think Keeley gets back with Roy. I just think it's going to take us a little while to mm-hmm. get there. And I think like Sense and Sensibility absolutely alluded to that. But even beyond like the rom communism and the soccer, it's just it's a it's a story about and I love that it's it's a story about authentic masculinity mm-hmm. and yep. uplifting female friendships, like women that are not just simply trying to destroy one another. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think like the Shandy storyline in season three was super weird because like out of nowhere this this woman came and like was just very jarring to the show. And I think that was the show signaling to us that's not the kind of show we are. Like we wanted to prove to you that this wouldn't fit in this universe. Hmm, that's interesting. So I, I think I just I think that this show came about at the right time, 2020. Mm-hmm. Written by, if you look at Jason Sudeikis' story, like he started filming Ted Lasso shortly after he and his partner split up. Oh yeah. And so like and like he's playing a character of a man who has been well, I mean, I think they mutually agreed to break up, but like they're It was a tumultuous split, yeah. It was a it was a very public split, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. So, like, he's playing a very personal character. He did an interview with one of my favorite shows, The Creators, with Guy Raz. He's the guy that made the show How I Built This. And so now he's doing a version of How I Built This with, like, creatives. And so he Mm. interviewed Jason Sudeikis recently. And he tells kind of the story of how he came up with the ideas for, you know, just, like, different mannerisms of Ted and, like, the name Ted Lasso and all this different stuff. And Guy asks him, like, do you think some of your personal life factored into the way you played the character? And and Jason says, he's like, sometimes I forget where Jason ends and Ted begins because, like, isn't every actor just ultimately playing some small version of themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was, like, incredibly true. And it made me love the show even more. Huh. Man. I've talked about this a bunch, but I love that it's the death of the antihero. Yes. Like, we are I, back to the good guy. Totally. And I, I think we desperately need that. There's the danger of sentimentality basically charity without truth but i think mm-hmm. the interesting thing about these shows is like a lot of times this is why i l- tend to like the arts because the truth is kind of there it can't help but come out mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. Th- it being distorted being weird like it i think a great example of this is in how i, I met your mother when barney like hooks up with his 200th girl yeah. he's like hi and everyone's like he's trying to like high five everyone it's and like the show's kind of like th- i think the show's trying to have its cake and eat it too yeah, so yeah, trying yeah. to be like Look what um, Barney's doing. Then it's like yeah. everyone's just like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, no, the Mar- hero, the hero you of okay? your mother is Marshall, Marshall and Lily, like mm-hmm. the monogamous couple who never 
leave each other. Well, they leave each other once, but like then they come back. They get like, through it. Yeah. Yeah. They get through it. Right. Like that's the hero. And my most recent rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. I, so I do you do this I, when I rewatch shows. I pay attention to different cup yes. like characters more specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So do an office watch of paying attention to Kevin, and it's the best that show ever is because he is just the perfect <laughs> background character. He's just perfect. Oh my gosh. The facial expressions of that man. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, Marshall and Lily, are th- but yeah, that show is a hundred percent making fun of hookup culture, but while also kind of glorifying it. So sometimes it hits, sometimes it For doesn't. Me, the, yeah. The, yeah. How How I Met Your Father is terrible. Don't watch I haven't that watched one. it. I have not enjoyed. Hulu is butchering it. I mean, th- look at look at Only Murders in the Building. You know, like even the watch, premise of it's is so, that good. I, it's, it's so good. It's on my list. Steve Martin, Martin Short, <sighs> and Selena Gomez. You don't think it's going to work, but then it works. It's like bananas on peanut butter with honey. You're like, that should work together. And then you take a bite and you're like, oh, that really does work together. And then you add some salt on top of it. And then it like, it just sings, you know, like that's, that's amazing. That's only murder in the building. That's um, but that's also thing. like good guys, right? Like that's good guys trying mm-hmm. to get down to the bottom of a story. Our culture is desperate for good guys in stories and for good women in stories. Mm-hmm. I agree. After being fed so much of that antihero. I mean, Barry maybe doesn't fit in that realm right now because that's very much an anti-hero story. That's just like a straight-up horror show right yeah, now, that's I think. Just, um, I've heard it's gotten very dark very quickly. That Bill Hader bait-and-switched everybody at HBO. Oh, it's a story about a hitman who wants to be an actor. And then like somebody <laughs> died in quicksand this past week or something. Uh, it's oh, like, Bill man. Hader? What are you doing? That's awesome. But I, I think it, it speaks to the desperate desire of the human heart. Everybody always says, like, oh, we want to be seen on television. And we do. Like, representation's important, and you want to see yourself on a screen. But, like, you also, like, there's something to be said for the show that presents the ideal. You want, or, to, think, like, you want to think to strive for. Yeah, or, like, romanticizes yeah. it. Like, this is why people watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, we know they're bad, but they're also great. That's what Ted says, right? Like, they're bad, but they're good. But they're bad, but they're, but they're good. Because, like, they give you a story that you want to feel good. This is why it's, I don't watch horror. Because mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Like, why am I scaring myself i don't want to feel scared that's not an emotion i want to have so i'm going to watch a television or movie that will like incite that within me no like i want to feel loved i want to laugh but that's so funny because like why a lot of people like horror is because they feel like you can like reveal profound truths to like a horrible thing like you can kind of yeah but suffering right but (laughs) but it's 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 interesting like that whole like um have you uh read any david foster wallace a long time ago in college. So yeah. we did a whole episode on him that got like screwed up the audio, which is probably because it's like, okay, we kind of get this. We're it's gonna like try. Deep, deep. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, we are failing. Um, but then somehow we like drew them. We drew him to like Benedict, and we were like, oh my gosh, this is kind of awesome. But he talks a lot about like how TV all it can do is just be ironic mm-hmm. be- because we have a culture that's just built on like there's nothing is serious anymore, and everything is just enter it's just entertainment. So instead of trying to strive for things, all we can do is mock it mm-hmm. because we don't believe that anything is actually worth pursuing mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, so it's like really profound. And I was, I'm thinking a lot about like television, how like this like anti-hero stuff and how like the office, how the, how the anti-hero stuff became so overwhelming. Like I remember in college when we would watch mm-hmm. the family guy, it was like hilarious and then it got real dark. And then I was like, mm-hmm. everything's just, I'm negative. I can't live in that headspace. This is kind right, of exhausting. Right. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of that was like the culture being like, there is no point. So let's just mock everything. Nihilism. Yeah. Yeah. And then the office comes in and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's that. And then it slowly changes. Yeah. Or, well, and that's, yeah. And it but brings, sorry, sorry. no, it's fine. No, but it brings on this like, it kind of slowly starts with the office. Then you um, have Parks and Rec, you, you know, have community. Right. And I think Ted Lasso is almost like the next iteration of this, but it's like in a good way to where I'm like, I think the floodgates are about to open for, yeah. for this stuff. We're desperate for the earnest good guy. Exactly. Who cares? And yeah. like the office. So have you listened to the oral history of the office? I haven't. I've been, with I, Brian, Bomb, Kevin. Oh, um, no, I was, I was, I'm thinking of like office of ladies or. So office ladies is great. Office ladies is great. But the oral history of the office is a 12 part audio series that he then turned into a book. So the book is really great too, but he like interviews everybody in depth about the character development, about the store, like how it got greenlit and how it like almost got canceled. And then of course, like the writer's strike and everything. And they talk about how, so when it's a British show and it comes over to the States and we can't make British television here because the sarcasm doesn't hit the same way and the dryness and the cruelty doesn't hit the same way. Like the British office is like those, you don't root for those guys. And so season one of the office is oh my gosh michael is as cringe as can be mm-hmm. and like at about the halfway point of season two like after the christmas episode which was the one that was automatically uploaded to everybody's ipods that christmas <laughs> oh yeah. so like that's when they really got popular and then he won the golden globe steve carell won the golden globe at the end of season two and so then it like really took off they were like michael has to be a good guy like yes he can be an f up yes he can be like super stupid but you have to be rooting for him because Americans want to root for something. And like I think that 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 actually reveals to me that there is some hope for our very materialistic performative society that of grifters especially in Catholic world sometimes that like we do want to root for the good guy. And that show took off in a whole new way when Michael was no longer this cringy bad boss, but was a bad boss who did cringe things, but you also wanted him to find love and you wanted him to do better. And you, yeah. you wanted him to not say the stupid thing. And like you can like I, when I do rewatches of The Office, I start usually at like it's like eight or nine of season two. And it's been a long time since I've done like a hardcore like start to finish rewatch. Not because those first parts aren't good, but like it's just you. it's a different show. And so I think Ted Lasso sits in this earnest space, but also has the beauty of like there's the British component. But we're basically telling all the Brits, like, no, 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 no. We don't want the hardcore sarcasm and we don't want the hardcore, like, mm-hmm. cruelty. We want the um, we want the sitcom version of the Great British Bake Off, where everybody feels happy and good by the end of it, even though there's somebody that loses and even though there's a little bit of tension. And, like, that's going to scratch an itch in American society that I actually do think is going to make people better. I think there's something really beautiful happening in a show that reveals masculinity doesn't have to be toxic. That reveals mm-hmm. female friendships don't have to be catty. That shows a group of guys caring for one another. I cried last week when Sam and his dad walk into the restaurant and his teammates are putting it back together for him. And then when his dad introduces himself to the chef and he says, you can call me Ola. And then the lights flicker on and the restaurant is named Ola's. And you're like, Sam named his restaurant after his dad. And like, are Jamie and Sam ever going to sit down and talk about their fathers? Cause Jamie has such a bad dad and Sam has such a good dad. And like, is there going to be some healing in their relationship? Because Jamie treated Sam the way Jamie's dad treated him. And all Sam ever wanted to do was treat Jamie the way his dad treated him. Like is, 
Are they going to get to have that conversation? Are we going to get to learn a little bit more about Roy and his grandfather who died very suddenly? And like, clearly that's a wound for him. Like, maybe not. But I think that that show is bringing all that up in people. And there's something really beautiful about being able to see that on a screen and know that there are people sitting in their houses, scrolling Twitter, listening to a podcast about it. And and they're like, yeah, this wasn't just a sitcom. It, this was art is never just a thing. Hmm. It, it it moves people. Remember mm-hmm. that scene when Tom is holding the shapes in season two of Parks and Rec and he's like, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> he like doesn't understand like why the shapes are moving him. And he like goes to the artist and he's like, another, yeah. another. He like keeps paying him for more and more and more because he wants to feel it again. Art moves us. And like yeah. television's art. It is. Radio podcasting yeah. is art. It moves us and it matters. And let's bring it back to the original point. Like it matters. There's an eternal quality to it. Jason Sudeikis, I'm not saying like he's a saint by any means, but like Jason Sudeikis is writing his path to heaven because he's creating a show that's making people think about their dads, making people think about friendships. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that. Maybe that sounds silly, but no. I. This is why this. You're like getting me. This is why this stuff all matters deeply. Yeah, it absolutely does. Nothing is casual. Yes, exactly. Nothing. And this, this all like this all counts. Mm-hmm. It all shapes how we think and uh, yeah. what we think about. Let me ask you, like, we're just as we're. I'm gonna wrap it up here. Yeah. yeah. Quick. Does this end at the end of um, season three? So I think two or three episodes ago, I would have said yes, because mm-hmm. that's what they kept saying. But then did you see their Instagram post this past week? I heard about uh, something. I, yeah, I where they were like, they were like thanking all the fans for all the positive reaction. They did like a big press junket in London this past week. And then they said, we're so grateful for this story and we are happy to have told it and we'll continue to tell it or like whenever that we're, or, and like we'll see it to the end in the parentheses, whenever that may be. I think they're teasing to us that there's going to be a hard stop that the show concludes for a little while. Cause like Jason and, and the woman who plays Rebecca, Hannah Wedding, uh, Wall- what Waddington, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Like their kids were over there in England with them while they were filming. Like Brendan, I think is engaged or married. Like it's been a long three years of making the show in COVID restrictions. I think the show concludes. I don't think it's over forever. I think it comes back in a few years. Yeah. So like curb your enthusiasm, you know, <laughs> oh, love that show. Keep this in mind. It's on Apple. Apple has MLS. Right. Do not discount that. And they're right. They, they've hit a lot of money. Yep. They for, have for major that. league soccer. Now mm-hmm. NBC has the premier league. Yeah. Uh, and their, the premier league contract. I looked it up the other day. like lasts, I think through 2026. So yeah, but like there's a, Everything is obviously tied to capitalism, right? There's a moment happening in trying to drive people to a new fandom of things because mm-hmm. soccer's season is very long, as I've since discovered. Right? Like August August to June? August right? to May with a lot of different competitions. Then you have international right. soccer that takes place over the summer and then in between. Yeah, things. so it's constant. Yeah. You can constantly so, be watching. They have about two weeks off a year. Americans have always wanted a sport that we could always watch like that's what i hate about football it just ends and you're like wait when's it coming back or like basketball it ends in june and then you're just like sitting around till october or baseball which is boring af but like you know you gotta watch it because it's america's pastime (laughs) so it's like yeah soccer's gonna scratch an itch for a lot of people it's just there's always gonna be a game on and what's better than just putting a game on yeah I agree. Just and having some sports on. Like, don't discount 2026. The World Cup being here is, is a exactly. massive, massive, massive deal. I think they take a break. I really do. Like, I do think the season yeah. will conclude. 
and we won't see them back on the air until 2025. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes to like Amelot or something. So, all right, uh, yeah. it's late. This was I've great. Kept you I'm so this was sorry. so much no, fun to have I, you back on again. I just kept babbling. It no, was great. We'll have was, to. Okay, awesome. so we have to do the reboot of the conversation when the season actually ends. I, I, I think uh, we should actually. Yeah. Yes. And we if you need, should. and if you really just want, like, an, if you want an earnest team that's going to try hard, the U.S. men's national team. If you want to have your, I'm all about heart it. Broken, I'm going to go order a scarf and hang it off in the back of my. Go to Roughneck so Scarves. I have it. There we go. So I have five other jerseys in my closet. So, all right. Katie McGrady, so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, so good to have you on the podcast again. Everyone knows where you are. So we, yeah, we you can find me that. on Twitter. So, yeah. all right. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys later. I need to not hang, leave because I've done that before. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam.